You're listening to This Is NX, the podcast about marketing for B2B marketers brought to you by B2B marketers. Join Kyle Shea and Stacey Bradshaw as they talk about trends, insights, and best practices to arm you in the disruptive battle to stay relevant in today's B2B market. And now, this is Annex. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of This is Annex, the podcast about marketing for B2B marketers brought to you by B2B marketers. As always, I'm Kyle Shea. And I'm Stacey Bradshaw. And this is the social distancing episode. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, sounds like it might not be our last. No, but uh, it did give us the opportunity to get a really great guest for this episode. We're going to be talking to Ryan Dorn. Ryan is an Emmy winner, a best selling book author, and he was recognized by Forbes.com with the best of the best award for his business strategies. Uh, this is going to be a pretty good interview. Yeah, we were really excited to have Ryan on our podcast. We wish we were obviously meeting under better circumstances, but it turns out he was actually a great guest to have on at this time because he's had quite a bit of experience coaching companies through tough times and and when we've experienced economic downturns in the past. So he has some really, really poignant advice to give B2B marketers um, at this time. Yeah, uh, we've known Ryan for a long time. Uh, He's uh, one of the main speakers at niche events or niche for our American listeners. (laughs) Ryan is from uh, the great US of A and he's, he's always helped Annex. We've We've had him do some seminars for us for our teams, and this is going to be a great interview for all you marketers out there, uh, especially in this time frame, as Stacy said. It's really poignant that we have Ryan on today. In the interview, Ryan outlined six key takeaways that I think are going to be really valuable for uh, marketers as we work through these challenging times. So the first one is focusing on your current clients and your retention strategy. The second one is dedicating some time and resources into finding new audiences. He talks a lot about partnerships and how co-marketing and even email exchanges and finding new partnerships at this time can be really key. Um, He talks a bit about social media and the fact that Facebook, especially Facebook Ads Manager right now, is not necessarily a silver bullet because there's so much noise out there in those platforms, which leads to his next point, which is that email is everything and focusing back on your email list is, is critical. And finally, he ends with what he calls the NASCAR effect. The fact that boogity, boogity, boogity. That's a NASCAR thing. I don't know that reference. But he talks about the fact that some people are pitting right now and falling behind, whereas strategic marketing efforts, um, when done properly, can really ensure your company comes out in front. So without further ado, let's get to our interview with Ryan. Boogity, boogity, boogity. Welcome to Ryan Dorn. You can uh, have a look at what Ryan's done in the past over at ryandorn.com. I'll let you spell that name, though, Ryan. Um, (laughs) We've known Ryan for... Oh, at least eight or nine, maybe ten years. Uh, right. Going back to the the niche niche events in Nashville and several other niche events as well. Um, Ryan's been a good friend to Annex, and he's graciously uh, come onto our podcast to talk about the present situation in marketing. You know, there's a lot going on, obviously, with COVID-19. Marketing departments are being cut. Um, ad budgets are down. We're going to talk with Ryan about some strategies that you as a marketer can go forward with during this trying time. Hey guys, thanks so much for uh, for having me. I think it's um, really important that we talk about 
survival strategies, but I also want to talk about strategies to help people thrive. So survive and thrive. We don't know when this situation is going to subside. And I'm not trying to downplay it by calling it a situation. <laughs> we all know that it's dramatically impacting companies and people in profound ways. But maybe we can come up with some ideas where we can help people survive and thrive once this all subsides. That would be awesome. And I think it'd be helpful to uh, for folks to hear. I think it's a really um, prudent time to be talking to Ryan. I was reading a bit of the um, foreword in your book and uh, just the fact that we're back in that sort of catch 22 right now where companies, they need revenue to continue to afford marketing, but they need the marketing to generate that revenue. And so you talk in your foreword there a bit about the, how marketers work through the cha challenges of the 2008 recession. and Again, to Kyle's point, marketing is sometimes the first and go. So it's like, how, I'm curious. I have so many questions about how you think it, the challenges are similar to that um, and how they're different. And again, your strategies for how we can fall forward. Yeah. You know, it's it, a lot of times people think of marketing as fat and not muscle. Marketing is a muscle. It's a vital core piece of every business. Yet it's one of the first areas that almost everybody goes and cuts. And when you think about, you know, when you go to the bank to get a business loan, they don't just ask you for your business plan in terms of how are you going to make this business? How are you going to make widgets? They want to also see how are you going to, how are you going to market this? It's important to a banker to see both sides of the business. How are you going to manufacture or whatever your service is? And then how are you going to market this? If you went to a banker and you said, oh, no, we don't have a marketing plan. They would say, okay, then we're not going to give you a loan. And that's because it's foundational, it's skeletal, it's the core of what we do. And that's why I encourage people to really understand, you know, that it's it's a muscle, it's foundational. And whatever you can do, don't cut the marketing because we have so much historical data as it relates to those that double down in a crisis. They really push marketing hard in a crisis. And when they come out on the other side, typically they're a market leader or something like that. Now, friends, I mean, I recognize, we all recognize in some cases, it's just not possible. I mean, you got to make payroll. So you can't afford to buy advertising or Facebook or whatever because you have to make payroll. I, I get it. So as much as you can dedicate to keep your marketing going forward, I think is is tremendously vital because marketing is a muscle and it really shouldn't be the first thing that you cut. So what are those things, Ryan, that you would say, what are the strategies that, you know, if we had to really pare it down that have the maximum impact for those that have to justify the spends what are the things that they can do, like I said, to have the most maximum impact? Yeah, great question. I think that we can start with what are the similarities between, I think the first thing most of us remember is the Great Recession, as many called it, that happened in 06, 07, 08, 09. And a lot of marketers, business owners are telling me, Ryan, this is a different situation because it's a health crisis. Hey, I get it. But it's a health crisis that's really forced us into a financial crisis. So we actually can draw a lot of similarities. One of the similarities, though, is that we're, we're trying to, we're having to change how people buy, when they buy, how they engage with us as business owners out there. So my wife has two businesses. I have two businesses as well. We're local businesses. So this impacts us as well. So this isn't really pie in the sky. So one of the first things to do is really focus on your core customers first, having a retention strategy. So experts tell us, well beyond people smarter than all of us, well beyond us, will say that you are 60 to 70% more likely to sell to someone that's a current customer. You're only about 5% likely to sell to someone that's brand new. So one of the first things I want business owners, large, small, it doesn't matter if you're Boeing 
or if you're mom and pop, you know, on the street at Toronto and have a small retail store, focus on current customers, doing everything you can to engage with those folks that have spent with you before. Now, it might not be discounting because I don't like to discount. I think it's kind of deadly. It might be rewarding loyalty with uh, percentages off or credits towards future spending. It might be really leveraging your email databases to let people know what's going on, turning commun you know, advertising into a communication channel. But I really feel like we've got to focus on who, who are the people we've sold in the past and how can we A, either prove to them that we're still a viable business or B, hey, you want to engage with us? Here's how to do it. So focusing on those core customers, I think is is very important as a first step. And I guess that's where email marketing becomes more important than ever because there's so much noise in other channels and you, you've got your your core your core customers ideally you've already got their email address you have ways to communicate with them a little bit more challenging to go out and find new audience given the noise out there on the different platforms yeah indeed i think that it's very important whether you're using mailchimp or whatever you're using segment your audience go and look at your online receipts go and look at people that have signed up that you know are customers see what most people do is they just abuse their email list unfortunately they send it out to anybody that's ever signed up there's a difference between your email list and your core clients your core customers those people you know that have spent with you in the last let's just say three to six months Try to go through, spend a few minutes and segment those peoples out, those peoples, those people out, segment them out and make sure that you know who they are so you can target them. So as an example, here where I live, uh, you know, there is a, a, a group, a company that sells grills and they're pretty expensive. They're pretty expensive grills. But what I noticed is they're segmenting their audience to me specific to the grill that I purchased and things available that I may not know about as it relates to that product that I purchased. Then they say to me, hey, Ryan, you've been a loyal customer. You bought this kind of expensive grill from us. Now you're learning a lot more about me. Now you've kind of bought this expensive grill. And did you know that there's this accessory available? And because you're a loyal customer, we'll sell it to you for 50 bucks off or whatever the circumstance is. So don't just blast out a bunch of emails to your whole list. I want you to think about segmenting it first to your current customers that you've got or your core. And then you've got those other folks that haven't maybe bought from you and you message them differently. And I think messaging is real important too. So if we look at what's happening right now, we need to probably come up like as business owners, as marketers, we need to come up with that plan going forward as to how we do this. So in that plan, email marketing uh, is pretty huge in that. What do you think about uh, social media using Facebook, LinkedIn for getting your message out there? So social media is great and I love social media, but I've got a lot of caveats as it relates to social media. I think that as business owners, we have a fiscal responsibility, not only to ourselves, to our employees, I guess to the government too, is to really look at your Facebook insights, really look at, your, at the reporting that comes. Don't just put five bucks up and click go. And the reason it's important is because Facebook's not doing anything wrong, but every business owner's on Facebook. I mean, we're all fighting for limited eyeballs. Let's just say that you're in a town of just, as an example, 1,000 people. And in that town of 1,000 people, there's five businesses. You don't think all five of those businesses are trying to fight for that 1,000 people? So there's limit, actually limited eyeballs even on Facebook. The other thing is look inside of what you're being charged for. What you used to pay five bucks for, and this is just an example, what you used to pay five bucks for, you might've got 5,000 people for five bucks. 
Now, as I'm looking at it, I mean, you might get, say, 1200 So there's a big difference, and they're going to charge you the same amount. Facebook gets away with that. And by the way, just as a point of clarity, I'm a shareholder of, of Facebook. I get to sit on those calls and listen to the, the doom and gloom some days, is that your, your audience segment size is different. I remember back to the day, Kyle Stacy, when you would spend like five bucks, you get 50000 Now you get five and you're thrilled. Friends, look at it carefully and just remember you're fighting against every other local business owner that's trying to ramp Facebook. So here's what I would ask you. What are you doing to be different? What are you doing to stand out from the crowd? Because you're on limited income and Facebook's great. But remember, Facebook is typically good for retention. It's not great for acquisition. So you've kind of got to, in my opinion, you've got to find new customers. I don't know that Facebook's where it's at. I think it's a great way to take care of your customers, maybe a part of your retention plan. But dig in deep because you might be spending way more money than you think and getting a lot less than you think. And I'm not saying Facebook's doing anything nefarious. I'm just saying they've left themselves a pretty big window. Like, hey, Ryan, for 25 bucks, you can get between 5,000 and 10,000. You're not getting 10,000. <laughs> There's too many people fighting for it. It's simple supply and demand. And right now the demand, super, 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 super high for Facebook advertising. So you mentioned new audiences there uh, mm -hmm. in your comment. Probably a great thing to do now, and I know we talked about this before the call, is to define new audiences that you can actually go out and market to for the first time. Right. What's something that we do better than anybody else? No matter the size of your business or the scope of your business, let's just say that you're in the medical equipment business or you're in the pumping business or whatever. What do you do better than everybody else? Now, set your ego aside, you know, make sure it's legit, you know. What do you do better than everybody else? This is an opportune, opportunity where people are sitting at home, an opportune time when people are consuming massive amounts of content. I mean, traffic is spiking all over. It's web, my website, your websites, it's spiking. People are at home right now. So when I'm advising salespeople, I'm like, hey, this is a great time to be calling folks. If you're an insurance agent right now, you got people at home, that, they're captive at home. If you're selling medical equipment and people need to research it before they buy it, they're at home now. They're not as distracted by meetings and things like that. So now I think though, Kyle, I think the way to go to new audiences is to partner. I think that you wanna partner with whether it's a media company or it's a like-minded business or it's an association. Figure out what you do better than everybody else and then partner to find strategic ways to create a conduit to those new folks and then get specific on those new folks. Do they have money? Do they have a capacity to buy this? Can we deliver? If all of a sudden we have great success, can we actually deliver on it? I myself, my wife and I are sitting there strategizing. We're like, man, there's five or six things that we could do. Now we're carpe diem kind of people. And some people would refer to me as being like a, you know, like unfocused, like squirrel, look over there. <laughs> You know, but you've got to really, you know, you've got to focus in and just really say, okay, what can we deliver to this new group of people that's unique, that's different? What kind of spin can we put on it? But I found that partnering is a great way to do it. And sometimes that's buying advertising. Sometimes that's partnering with a different list. If you're a member of an association, like chambers of commerce are not doing very much right now because they're not equipped to do it. They're not equipped for this kind of crisis. But your chamber members, you might band together, association members banding together to get messages out. That could be really great. But the first starts with what is something unique that we offer that others don't? 
and then go after that audience, whether it's with videos or strategic marketing, those type of things as well. I love the idea of partnership, especially in the B2B space, just thinking about how much buyer behavior has changed, how much everything's changed so fast, even in coming weeks. But I mean, the amount of online research that people are doing before they're actually making any sort of purchase, and not to mention within organizations, multiple people in the organization also doing research, it's almost impossible to sort of track how many touch points are actually happening with your brand before somebody actually makes a purchase. And and I mean, I'm of the opinion that it's those touch points that happen outside of your own environment, outside of your own website that can be the most influential and the most impactful. So when you're partnering with media organizations, associations, all these various groups that sort of lend some additional credibility to your marketing mm-hmm. message, I think that's just so important now more than ever. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's sort of like an inferred referral. You know, most mm-hmm. of us in the business here, B2B or, or otherwise, we love a good referral. There's nothing stronger than a good quality referral. And when you partner with a company, an association, another group, it's sort of an implied or kind of inferred referral. So then be careful that you don't take you know, advantage of it in a kind of in an overzealous kind of way. But I really think that that's a, a super important piece as we try to figure out what can we do to add credibility to the occasion. I also, though, am a big fan of video. And so I encourage all of my B2B customers to really focus in, especially salespeople, on using video. So there's two sides to that. One would be using Zoom and go to meeting and stuff like that for hosting sales calls. This is the new face-to-face. The other though is to download Chrome extensions. Like one of my favorites is Loom, L-O-O-M, like Lima, Oscar, Oscar, Mike. And it's a great Chrome extension. It allows you to just click on the little camera once you download it. And you can record yourself, your screen, anything that's on your screen, and automatically, boom, gives you a link. You can send that link. So let's just say as an example, I'm trying to sell Kyle. And let's just say that I'm in the medical space and I'm trying to sell something to to Kyle. All right, Kyle's a great guy. He doesn't want to talk to me. (laughs) You know, he doesn't know me. I'm just a sales guy, so I'm a stranger. And stranger danger is real. So what I do is I use Loom and I record a video and I hold up a little whiteboard that says, Special message for Kyle, so he can see it when he sees the video link. And then I do a little video on Loom or Soapbox, or there's a bunch of them out there. And I say, hey, Kyle, it's Ryan Dorn. Hey, I hope you're doing okay. Your family's doing well. Thought I'd take a second to record this video. This is why I've been emailing you 55 times. No, you don't say that. <laughs> this is why I've been emailing you. And you use that video as a way to break that, break that wall, break down that stranger danger wall. And you're going to think that I'm crazy. And I am prone to exaggerate because I'm in sales and marketing. But I have a 90-some percent open rate using Loom in those type of videos, 90%. And I think it's because people don't want to talk to a sales guy or a marketer, but they don't mind watching a short video. And so I feel like we have to evolve our strategies in sales and marketing to include those types of things. And I think it's important if you're partnering, use that inferred referral, but then use video to kind of break down that wall. And I think it could be very helpful. Well, I'll tell you, um, you know, that kind of hit home because there's a few companies, especially in this time frame, that have been reaching out and we're just so inundated with a lot of uh, sales emails right now that mm-hmm. immediately it's like, well, they've just forwarded me the same email that they did before. Hey, maybe I fell down in your inbox or maybe I went in your junk mail. But right. you know what? If you send me a video or something like that, that tells me at least you're 
you're spending time other than just copying and pasting or forwarding. So yeah. I, I would totally be open to watching something like that. Yeah, it's uh, the customization, in my opinion, they used to say content is king. I say customization is king. In the sales business, there is very little, in marketing as well, very little comes, maybe 1% return from mass email blasts. Now, if your um, listeners are getting 3 4%, 5% return on, on ma major marketing email blasts, I would tell you that I don't see that typically in the businesses I work for. As a matter of fact, I'm getting more from direct mail, a higher response than I am from mass emails. So I think you want to think of customization being king. So it's, hi, Kyle. Hi, Stacy. Saw that you guys are doing this. I've got an idea for that. And I think the more specific you are, whether you're using LinkedIn, you might use the LinkedIn plugin called Crystal, Crystal Knows. That will allow me to dig deep on, on your personality type based on what you've uh, placed online in various blogs, et cetera. Allows me really to get in there and dig deep on how I should communicate with you. But this is the new face-to-face. I mean, webinars and videos is the new face-to-face. -face. I mean, friends, we don't know how long we're going to be, um, you know, told to be at home by our governments or whatever. We don't know. So if you don't get good at selling with video, you're going to just kind of get, you're going to get run over. You probably heard that old um, saying, lead, follow, or get out of the way. Well, that was actually written in 1776. It's not something Tony Robbins said, okay? And I love Tony, <laughs> you know, um, not something he said. So I think we have an opportunity here. Do we want to lead in the circumstance? Do we want to follow others? Or do we just want to get out of the way and let everybody else carpe diem the moment? And I think in this circumstance, we have an opportunity to lead as marketers. And I think we should take advantage of it. Now, that seems like a good segue into, what did you call it? The NASCAR effect? Yeah, you know, so a NASCAR race, if you think about it, you've got 25 or so cars all stacked up on a racetrack. And they've got one simple goal. They're going to race around this oval and hopefully avoid crashing. But in order to win the race, they can't just stay on the track forever. They're going to have to pit. So they, because they have to change tires, et cetera. So they have to be strategic about that. If you think about marketing, let's set COVID-19 aside for a brief moment, albeit hard to do it, but let's set it aside for a second. If you're running your marketing plan, much like a NASCAR race, racing around that oval, strategically, you're gonna need to pit to change tires, to change strategies, update email equipment, change your email service provider or whatever. But your goal is you gotta get back out on the track fast. If you stay in the pit too long, you'll get one, two, three laps down and you're never gonna win the race. You might be competitive, you might be able to catch up a little bit, but you're not gonna win the race. So how does this apply to COVID-19? It applies directly because many people are being forced to pit. You don't have a choice. It's not a, really a strategic decision. You're like, hey, I can't make payroll. I have to pit. The cautionary tale is in good times, you should advertise. <laughs> in bad times, you must advertise. Because if you don't, those that do are going to lap you. They're going to put you a lap down. And what a lot of people think, Colin Stacy, they think that, well, when times are better, I'll just turn the marketing faucet back on. Well, it doesn't work like that. Marketing isn't a faucet unless you sell a direct response product. You know, Ginsu Knives, the Thigh Master, three payments of $19.99, you know, that kind of thing. That's an on-again, off-again marketing strategy. Most of your customers, my customers, most people out there, they don't sell those type of products. So the moment you turn the marketing faucet off, 
is the moment your marketing stops. And so your bucket of leads, customers, et cetera, it stops filling. Well, let's just say that I shut it off, Kyle keeps it on, and you, Stacey, you're kind of going off again, on, on again. So that's the three types of people that are out there. Slam on the brakes people, wait and see people, or those people that are kind of carpe diem the whole day. That's what, never let a good crisis go unwasted, right? Well, you've got to think about this. When you turn that faucet off, mine's on. My faucet remains on. I'm walking away with buckets and buckets of water. You've just pitted your car. You're getting a lap down. Well, I'll just turn it back on. Well, you can, but I've already walked away with 10 buckets of water. You're now filling your second bucket of water. So I think it's really important for us not to get a lap down. Maybe we need to reduce our spend with marketing and be more strategic with it, but shutting it off historically really, really doesn't make sense. And we can look back all the way to the Great Depression, if we want to, at companies like Post Cereal. They were, they were the leader of dry cereal coming into the Great Depression. Shut off their marketing engine. Kellogg's ramps it up. Kellogg's becomes the, you know, the market leader after the Great Depression. You look at the recession of the 80s, specifically in the United States, where we went into that recession and the leader in import cars was Volkswagen. Volkswagen shut off their advertising. Toyota doubles down, boom, Toyota emerges from that recession as the market leader in import cars. And we can see the same things with Domino's, McDonald's. I mean, in the 90s, McDonald's shut off their marketing, sales dropped 26%. Pizza Hut, Taco Bell, double down on marketing, sales grows 40, 60%. So if you think about it historically, you can see that shutting off marketing, albeit I understand sometimes it is a necessity, historically speaking, Quite honestly, it doesn't make sense. If you want to survive and thrive, you double down in a time of crisis. Now, I don't want people to think that I'm suggesting, let's take advantage of a crisis. I think we've got to take something that's bad and just make it better for our business. But this situation is real and it's fluid. But I think canceling your marketing, I'm not seeing any historical evidence. I'm sorry, we see all kinds of historical evidence that when you cancel your marketing, when the crisis is over, you've lost, or you're at least not a market leader anymore. So I think that's a dangerous scenario when I hear people saying, well, we're just going to pause it. Mm, I would probably wouldn't do that. I might change it a bit, but I definitely wouldn't cut it off. Yeah, I think that keeping up with the pace of the rate of change that's happening right now can be overwhelming. Um, but I'm, I'm seeing it out there. I'm seeing companies really pivot and adjusting their tech stack, adjusting their marketing. They're doing webinars where they've never done webinars before. And really trying to adjust to how the buyer behavior has changed. I think that your message is so poignant right now, and hopefully this will help some of our audience, you know, convince the powers that be that they need to keep the, the marketing channels going, um, that it's more important than ever. So I think that was, this is excellent. Thank you so much, Ryan. Yeah, consumers are restless. I mean, they just are, because you can only be, um, you know, put inside your home for so long period, for such a period of time where you get kind of cabin fever, so to speak. Consumers are restless. And they're, they're changing their behaviors. So we can either change our behaviors to match theirs, or we can guide them, or we can just get bowled over. But I would say that history is a cautionary tale. Canceling your advertising is just not a strategic move. It should be your last, very, very final resort. And you know, not every marketing plan requires money. I mean, there's a lot of things that we can do with our own email databases and things like that. But I would caution everybody, if you're turning to social media as a way to save your marketing money, Quite honestly, there's much better ways to spend that money. And the first thing I would do is figure out 
who are media partners I can work with because my we're working with media partners extensively because they have the customer database and they've got a way to connect with those folks and people will respond to them. So out of all the things we've talked about today, partnering for me has been mission critical. And I'm having a not a great month, but I'm having a pretty darn good month because of the partnerships that I've created and it's not too late. Yeah, Kyle and I talked about that a bit earlier about just how inevitably, especially with the rise of sponsored content coming out that inevitably PR and marketing at some point sort of intersect and especially with agencies and marketing clients or our audience at least like curious how that intersection of the PR team and the marketing teams can really um, propel the success of a marketing program like you said it doesn't have to be all sales and advertising approach right. that there's real content approach as well yeah I noticed that what's, what's happening though my to my PR friends that are out there that might be listening don't send me hate mail um, although I guess you're not anybody till you have some haters right don't send me your hate mail but a lot of PR folks are looking for free publicity. This really isn't a time for that, in my opinion. Um, it isn't a time from a media perspective or a PR perspective to expect free publicity, unless you're doing something that, in my opinion, is very dramatically helping our fellow citizens um, in terms of COVID-19 support and things like that. I do believe it's a time, though, for us to partner. So the PR folks in that intersection between paid and a lot of times free publicity, I think we want to give them a path. We want to find what's the path for me to get my new product launches, et cetera, in front of your readers, if you're talking to a media company, in the most cost-effective way possible. But more than likely, PR folks, if you're looking for free publicity, probably now is not the time because we're reserving that free publicity for things that directly impact our, our citizens and our readers. Great point, Ryan. Um, you being from, uh, you know, you do a lot of events as well, um, speaking on uh, various uh, topics and whatnot. With what's happened and all the event cancellations, what would you recommend a marketer do who was expecting that big event to help make their month, make their, you know, first quarter or second quarter? What's another way for them to get that event-like impact without being able to attend anything? Yeah. So I think there's, that's a great question. There's a bunch of different ways that we can handle it. So um, just let me, just cut me off at a point when you, because I get really excited <laughs> about events. Um, so just cut me off when you think that we've covered it. Uh, it. It won't be a problem. I know that your mother or father taught you not to interrupt, but it's okay in this circumstance because I'll get started. <laughs> it won't stop. Okay. So there was something that you were going to pitch at that event. You're a vendor. I'm a vendor, okay? A partner, whatever, sponsor. There was something I was going to bring to that event. Now, maybe it was a huge multi-million dollar piece of machinery. I don't know. But what I want to do is I want to work with whoever was putting on that event. I'm going to find some way for me to make a video that explains what it is that we were going to cover at that event. Whether it's just doing something on your Mac with PDFs or it's hiring somebody uh, to do it. Whatever the circumstance is, there was something you were going to promote. Then what I want to do is go to that event producer. And you're not going to give it to you for free because it's, you know, proprietary data. And we need to make sure we also follow all email legislation, whether it's Castle or GDPR in Europe or California or whatever. I want to say, hey, I've got a video that explains what I was going to do, what I was going to do. And I need to get this out in front of the people that signed up for that event. What would you potentially charge me for that? Or how can we partner on that? Because a lot of these event producers, your attendees were already signed up and then you had to cancel the event. So from a media perspective, you make it an affordable way to get this information in front of others. But I want you to consider building on your business website 
So let's just say that I'm in, in the heavy equipment space. I want to create sort of a little virtual event of my own on my web page of my site. I want to have a product video. I want to set up times for people to chat with salespeople. I want to make it easy for them to connect. Uh, I want to make myself available for kind of a virtual happy hour kind of thing. Uh, maybe you you know invite them over to a, a Zoom webinar that you're doing that's live at a certain time. Maybe as a business owner, you get you know other folks, your customers together to talk about what they're doing during this time of crisis. So use that information and that infrastructure that your media partner or event partner already had available and say, hey, I've got this ready to go. How can I get it out in front of these folks that we're gonna attend? Now, as a business owner, I'm gonna say to the media partner, hey, if you can get this out in front, you know, I'm gonna be your main guy you know, for next year when you do this live, because we're gonna get back to live eventually. But you were gonna do something. You were gonna do something at that event. So make that happen as a reality on your own website or whatever the circumstance is and try to work with a media partner to get people there. So I don't think we want to give up or save it till next year. Work with a partner to make it happen. I'll say I didn't have to interrupt you at all, Brian. <laughs> well, that's good. I get real passionate about marketing and I feel like I really believe in the statement. When times are good, you should advertise. When times are bad, you must advertise. This is a time for some of you to carpe diem. It is and sees market share. Um, as, as you said, Stacy, the noise volume goes down a lot of times um, when marketing is not occurring in full force. And so you can really stand out from the crowd. So I encourage folks to, to seize the moment for market share, et cetera, and just have a strategy. You know, Don't just be running out there running and gunning. Sit down, come up with a strategy. And I think that people will be surprised how well they will survive this crisis and maybe come out on the other end thriving as well. Excellent advice. Thank you so much, Ryan. My pleasure. Yeah, I, I think this was an awesome podcast, Ryan. I appreciate you uh, being here for us and all the best to you and your family for sure in this uh, in this time of uncertainty. And thanks again for uh, coming on. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. And folks are welcome to email me too. Uh, Ryan at RyanDorn.com. Drop me an email. Um, I If I don't respond to you, I have, have gone to heaven. I will always reply. So <laughs> drop me an email, Ryan at RyanDorn.com. I'm happy to help. I love to talk about marketing. Thank you very much, Ryan. And yeah. uh, we'll see you next time. Wow, that was a great interview. It seems like I always say that after these interviews, but that one really was a good interview. Yeah, we were really lucky to have Ryan on today. It was awesome. And if you guys want to know more about Ryan, go to his website, ryandorn.com. That's R-Y-A-N-D-O-H-R-N.com. And as always, if you have feedback or any ideas for new episodes, feel free to email us at podcast at thisisannex.com. Yeah, give us all your questions, all your suggestions for topics, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to This Is Annex, the podcast about marketing for B2B marketers brought to you by B2B marketers. As always, please send your questions or comments to podcast at thisisannex.com and subscribe in Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. This is Annex.